I don't believe my baby blues. Stand behind me. What? The ladies with me, Mr. Green Jeans. Ah, girl, not belong with an ugly rock thing like you. So that explains your coloring. Green with envy. Well, Pally, I don't envy what's gonna happen to you. Hulk is bigger. Hulk is stronger. Hulk is dumb. A thing is faster. Hulk can't be hurt. Yeah, but Hulk can be clobbered. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy... The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am here with my buddy Scott H. Gardner. And Hello. This time around, I'm saying the H stands for Hulk Smash. <laughs> how you doing today that works i'm doing good how about you doing all right doing all right this is a long delayed 10th i believe it's our 10th entry round 10 into our hulk thing retrospective uh you know we we that kind of kind of sat around for a while before it uh before we got back to it but i'm glad that we're not letting this one go away because i enjoy doing these i do too i was looking at uh you know, future installments and uh, wondering, you know, when we were going to get to that point, we we're like, eh, but we're not there yet. I mean, there's there's some other ones coming up that I'm pretty excited about. So, yeah, I, I want to keep this going. This is a lot of fun. And this one that we're looking at today, um, you know, if I read this before, I have no memory of it whatsoever. But reading it today, I was like, oh, this is this one's fun. This this I think there'll be some good discussion of this one. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool story. And what we're looking at today is the uh, issues number 20 and 21 of Marvel Fanfare uh, from 1985. Um, number 20 is really a thing story. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the uh, synopsis on it. But 21 is a knock them knock down drag out hulk thing fight which i'm loving so yeah this this, these were fun issues (laughs) i I enjoyed these so just to just to jump right in here and then we'll talk about the stories a little bit uh marvel fanfare number 20 uh was released on february 5th 1985 with a cover date of may of 1985 it's written by jim starlin penciled by jim starlin so right off the bat you know i'm gonna love this uh (laughs) inked by al milgram and I'm going to have to tip my hat to Al Milgram. I hate to, to play my cards too early, but uh, much better than the Al Milgram that I've commented on in the past. Uh, 
but we'll talk more about that too. Colored by Christy Scheel, who I'm not familiar with, lettered by Jim Novak, and edited by Al Milgram and Pat Blevins. The synopsis, as per Marvel Wiki, is that the thing walks into an alley and happens upon a mugging. A young woman, excuse me, a young man named Charlie Carcrash is attacking an older homeless woman, Elsie Gertz. Thing grabs a garbage can and jams it over the man's head. The man runs away and the woman thanks him for rescuing her. She shows him where she lives, a small makeshift shack made up of a dumpster, some wood and cardboard. He gives her some money to stay in the hotel across the street and walks away. As he walks, he thinks about how difficult the life's, the woman's life must be, and he decides that he doesn't have it so bad after all. He starts to go home and cuts through an alley. Suddenly, a blinding light flashes before his eyes, and he sees a portal open before him. In the portal, Dr. Strange speaks to him, saying that he needs the thing's help. Thing strips down to his speedo and jumps through the portal, and after going through, he lands at the feet of a group of monsters. I don't know if I would call them monsters. I would have called them demons, but, you know, whatever. Thing asks Strange what's going on, and the Sorcerer Supreme says that these demons are his jailers. And he explains what happened. Dr. Strange, after banishing the Hulk to the crossroads, sensed a spark of Bruce Banner's intellect in Hulk, and he summoned his fellow defenders along with the Hulk to his Sanctum Sanctorum, and he kept Hulk under control with a somnambulant spell. He left the others in the sitting room and went to his study where he attempted to reconstruct Banner's intelligence, or at least jump-started inside Hulk's head. Someone snuck in the room and knocked him out. When he came to, he was imprisoned in a dimension surrounded by extraterrestrial demons and his old enemy, Zandu, who had stolen his Eye of Agamotto. And he planned to couple it with the Ruby of Domination to his own to own the world. He tells Strange that the Ruby could only control the mind of one person at a time, so he used it to control the mind of one Defender's member. He threatened that he'd have the world enslaved by noon tomorrow. Zandu left and Strange used his mastery of the mystic arts to send a strained last minute plea for help to the thing thing realizes that strange expects him to free him but thing angry that strange just expected him to fight these demons and free him on a whim gets angry and begins ranting about how everyone always turns to him for help and how he's tired of all the fighting and being everybody's punching bag thing suddenly punches one of the demons into the air saying that's just how things are though they all pile onto him but he easily knocks them off the lead demon attacks him, but he wallops him back. Another demon takes a shot at him, but he catches the monster's fist and flips him into several others. Thing pounds the ground, setting many of the demons off balance, and they fall off of the rock platform that Strange's prison is on. The last demon stabs Thing in the back with a spear, and he wraps it around the demon's neck and frees Strange. Things ask, Thing asks if Strange can teleport him back to the Baxter building. But he says he's still in need of Thing's powers, as Thing will have to hold back whichever member of the Defenders Xanadu has taken control of. While Strange gets the ruby, Strange transports them back to Earth, and they head back to the Sanctum Centaurum. They go in, and Thing asks who, con who the controlled hero is. Strange says that he may not like it, but Thing persists. They go into a room and find Xanadu with the ruby, and he's protected by one angry, mind-controlled Hulk. That was a pretty cool story. Uh, first yeah. of all, first of all, I thought the story was cool, and secondly, I thought the artwork was really cool. Overall, like I don't know why 
uh, frankly, this ended up as a Marvel fanfare issue. You know, this the, the Marvel fanfare issues were usually, uh, you know, stories that were just, uh, you know, extras that they had laying around, you know, ready to fill in or whatever. This this seems like something that's pretty well thought out. It seems like it's actually timely. Uh, you know, some of the thought bubbles are kind of going with what's going on. Not even not only thought bubbles, but some of the plot. You know, the thing to, uh, you know. Thinking about how the torches with Alicia, uh, the whole thing with, you know, the Hulk being at the crossroads and then being brought back for this, you know, it's, it's unless that's just a little extra dialogue that's added, which is possible. It's still pretty well placed or shoehorned into what's going on in the comics at this time. Uh, so that said, I thought the whole buildup was kind of cool. It's it doesn't feel especially you know it feels self-contained it doesn't feel like the whole marvel universe should be involved in this but it is a a very big threat uh you know it's it's well paced that the you know zandu is one of the the doctor strange villains that i'm very familiar with because uh you know there were the uh, team-ups with spider-man you know in one of the marvel in one of spider-man's annuals where he and doctor strange faced off against him uh and then he appeared again in marvel team-ups so i kind of knew him pretty well uh, and I just, like I said, I just thought it was really cool. The artwork seems to me mostly to be pretty typical Jim Starlin artwork. And that's not honestly what I expected with Al Milgram inking it. You know, Al Milgram's inks, and I, I hate to keep insulting the guy, but they're usually fairly simple. Uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit more detail and a little bit more stylish, stylishness to this than than what I typically see from Al Milgram. And I think that's probably based on the fact that Starlin, I'm thinking, did pretty detailed pencils. Uh, so I, I think it's, come, you know, that's what's coming through to us. Uh, but, I you know, I, right. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the, the artwork and, and the story in this one. Uh, you know, the only disappointment is considering, you know, our topic is, you know, we only get, you know, the Hulk uh, in two panels of the story and only one where he's prominent. So, you know, I, I, I you know, it, it just it made it. It's good that it came out when or that I read it when I did, because I didn't have to wait a month to see where it went. In particular, I would want to mention that. And, you you know, you could really see it in the uh, last panel uh, when Starlin draws the Hulk. I think he takes a lot uh, from the Frankenstein monster. He kind of gives him the flat head. Uh, you know, right. I, and I think he's he's kind of inspired by the you know the traditional universal look of the Frankenstein monster when he draws him, uh, but he doesn't draw him as you know tall and and thin. He you know he still draws him as bulky, but I don't think he's you know what you've termed in the past as fat ass Hulk. Uh, I think he looks <laughs> you know he looks formidable. Uh, so you know, th- those are my initial thoughts on this one. What did you think? Well, I agree with you that this is a very odd place for this story. Um, not to be insulting to Marvel fanfare, because I haven't read a whole hell of a lot of Marvel fanfare, but it's almost like it's too good for this title, if you know what I mean. Um, I think that's why I've never read this before, is just because it, it's kind of buried in a series that I think of more as, uh, you know, whatever Marvel fanfare was, you know, a, a home for displaced stories or something, which is maybe exactly what this is. I don't know, because this feels like one of two things. This either feels like a Marvel two in one story, but of course, two in one had finished by this point and the thing had gone solo while he was on uh, uh, the Beyonders world. 
So there's that, but it also feels a lot like maybe this was intended for like a graphic novel or something. Cause one of, if, if the, not the very next uh, thing Hulk fight that we'll look at, I think is the Jim Starlin graphic novel. Um, or at least it's one of the, the upcoming ones that we'll be looking at. So it feels very similar to that to me. So it's just kind of odd that this is where it wound up. You know, I just, I'd love to know the backstory about this, you know, was this intended for somewhere else or, or, you know, what's the whole story with that? But, uh, but that said, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, um, I, I, I kind of think of issue 20 as a lot of setup, but I guess that's because of the angle that we're looking at it at, you know, we're looking at it strictly from the thing versus the Hulk fights angle, you know? So from that angle, you know, nothing really happens other than getting all the players in the same room you know, and the fight comes in the following issue. But that said, I really enjoyed it. Um, I if if I re, if I ever read this before, I had really no memory of it at all. Um, but I really liked it. I'm not the biggest uh, Doctor Strange fan in the world, uh, but I liked this. Uh, you know, I, they kept it simple. They kept it pretty straightforward. Um, it is funny though that of all of the people that Doctor Strange could have reached out to, that he reached out to Ben Grimm. I just I guess that makes sense, maybe, but, you know, there, there's certainly, you know, other heroes out there. There's certainly more powerful characters and everything that he could have reached out to. But uh, eh, it, it works, you know, for the purposes of it. Again, I think it would have made a little bit more sense if, you know, this was Marvel 2 and one You know, maybe the this first chapter is... Uh, you know, the thing in Doctor Strange and then the next chapter would be, you know, the thing and the Hulk or, you know, maybe, you know, thing in, in Strange with the Hulk or, you know, something like that. So, but yeah, as setup goes, it was, you know, it's pretty good. And I do like the art. I'm I'm not near the uh, the Al Milgram detractor that you are. I, you know, he I'm not his biggest fan in the world, but I, I think what kind of alleviates some of it for me was that he was working on just a lot of titles that I was reading when I first started to get real heavy into comics as a kid. Um, I'm pretty sure spectacular Spider-Man was one of the ones that he was working on. And so um, I guess it, maybe it's just a nostalgic eye or something. I don't know, but it, you know, his style just never really bothered me that much. It seems to me, I, I can remember him um, working with uh, Jim Mooney a lot. So it's funny that whenever I see Al Milgram stuff now, it always has kind of a Jim Mooney look to my eye. But I, I guess just because I kind of associate the two of them together somehow, I, I don't know. But I think but the yeah. styles are pretty similar. Yeah, but I, I liked this. I, yeah, it, this was fun. But uh, it, it's really for me, it's all about. And of course, you know, for the purposes of the show, it's all about the next issue, really. Yeah, I, th I think you hit the nail on the head. I hadn't really considered it, to be honest with you. But I think that uh, this is a situation where this is probably a Marvel two-in-one, two-part uh story the, the the first of which would be you know thing in doctor strange and the second of which would be thing in the hulk uh which is you know often the way they did did it in those in those multiple part team up books uh so i could definitely see that being the case here and it might be something where they just kind of tailored some of the uh the dialogue to make it current as far as talking about the crossroad dimensions uh you know and the hulk's intelligence slash lack thereof or sentience slash the lack thereof, uh, and the things, you know, moping about, uh, 
you know, Alicia and the, and the Human Torch, because we don't actually see anything that reflects those things in the artwork. It's purely in the dialogue, so it could easily have been tailored for that. Uh, that's a really good catch, yeah, because I'm flipping back through it now. I, I, while you were saying that, I suddenly had the idea of, did we actually see any sort of like flashback or anything? And we don't. So you're right. We don't see. And and that would be a typical comics thing to do is that while Doctor Strange says, you know, I pulled the Hulk from, you know, uh, the crossroads or whatever, that we would actually see that in a flashback or something. And we don't. So that, yeah, that's a really good catch. And this iteration of the Defenders that is shown was that the current iteration of the defenders at the time that this story would have come out that's a very good question i don't I, think I, it was i'm, I'm going to take a look at older defenders issues and see you know what the timing is because we're seeing here you know with the defenders we see hellcat son of son of satan gargoyle uh submariner valkyrie and if yeah, I go I, to I the think defenders, they may have switched over to the new defenders by this point. I think I, I'm, you know, I'm no expert, but I, I think that's possible. So yeah, well, by 1985, we, what month in 1985 are we? May. In? So May in, cover date. Yeah. Okay, so well, May cover date of the defenders uh, actually has Moondragon, uh, the Beast, Iceman, Angel, Gargoyle. That's the new defenders. Yeah. And uh, and and Valkyrie. So it's definitely yeah. not the team that we're seeing here. I think to see this particular team, you're probably going back about probably about three or four years to 1981, 1982, somewhere around there. So it right. totally it totally makes sense that this would be a uh, a Marvel two in one story. You know, like I said, I had not even considered that. Uh, I just thought it was an extra inventory story, which I guess it is. But you know, an inventory right. story that was. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking now that Stalin had done this in anticipation of it being in Marvel 2 and 1, and then the book was uh, revamped into the Thing series, so it became a useless uh, story, but it's too good to just leave on the shelf. So, uh, you know, eventually yeah. they, they repackaged it in Marvel Fanfare, which is basically Marvel Fanfare's, uh, you know, what is, what's the word? Raison d'etre? Raison d'etre, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, yeah, that was it. it was taking the you know, stories and usually fairly good ones. I think you may be underrating some of the Marvel fanfare stuff. You know, there's there's some good stuff uh, that was that came out in in these issues uh, that that wouldn't have seen the light of day without a you know a series like this to to put right. it up there. I'm trying to remember the first three issues uh, was you know Spider Man teaming up. Uh, I think it was with the X Men and they were in the Savage Land and that was right. That was a pretty cool thing. Oh, get, I think it had. I think it don't had. Don't get me wrong. I, I, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't. I didn't mean that as a you know slagging off Marvel fanfare. It's just you know this. I, I know this is a step above. You know this is. The, I thought thought this was a really good. You know it's got a good pedigree. You know it's Jim Starlin and everything. So it's just kind of odd that. Um that they didn't look to go bigger, if you know what I mean. I mean, because again, you know. Hindsight being 2020, you know, the very next thing is a Jim Starlin Hulk thing graphic novel. And this, I mean, could potentially be that. So I'm just kind of surprised that, you know, somebody didn't look at this and go, hey, we really have something here 
and make more out of it than just dumping it into Marvel fanfare. If you know what I mean? Again, that probably sounds Mm -hmm. like I'm slagging the title and I don't mean it that way. It's just, you know, I think this really could have been bigger, you know, presented bigger, I guess. It definitely could have been, but you know, again, I, I, I do think, uh, that it, it is what it is effectively, uh, that it was, you know, it was a, uh, it was a, a, an extra story that they had and, decided to to move forward with it i'm just looking at marvel fanfare in general though and i'm seeing you know some some really good creators you know there was a black widow story with george perez that went three issues there was that that uh john Byrne hulk story that we did a while back yeah there's there's also the uh the hulk story in issue seven with eunice and the blob which is not not top level talent necessarily but a top level story so there's a lot of really good stories yeah, this is one of those titles that uh, that I've come to really regret passing it up for so many years. And now when when I do see them, I, I've started snagging them with the intention of I, I would like to have a complete run of this just because, um, you know, the, the spotty issues that I have whenever I check them out, you know, I almost invariably end up really enjoying them. And, you know, so it's just one of those things of, you know, I, I wish it had been more on my radar over the years, but uh you know, it is what it is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, I have issues one through 18 in my collection. I don't have beyond that. And obviously, I'd like to add these to it, uh, as well as I'm sure there's some others uh, later on. But I wonder, as the, as it went on, if the quality didn't start to flag a little bit, just based on the fact that they might have been running out of material. Uh but I'm, I'm not sure. I'd have to see. I, I think I may put these on my want list, you know, to, to to complete this, which the first run of this series, volume one, went 60 issues. So oh, wow. there is a decent amount to be had there. But, uh, you know, back, I guess, back to this story in particular, uh, you know, I, I kind of I, I it, it's reminiscent. This story in particular is reminiscent to me of the story in Marvel feature number 11, where the thing fought the Hulk. Uh, right. And that was also a Jim Starlin issue. So, or at least Jim Starlin artwork. I'm not sure if he was the writer on it or not. Uh, but, you know, that, that was, I'm sure he at least plotted that one. Uh, and it, it kind of has, has that feel to me that they're just kind of like thrown together strangely. And the story has a little, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, well, why does this happen? Well, plot. Uh, but, but, you know, if you accept everything that's going on, you know, that, oh, there's these, the ruby of domination, which I never heard of before this, uh, and that when you team it with the amulet, that, it, you know, it'll give him the ability to take over the whole world. Uh, and and then, you know, that, that he can only enthrall one person at a time until he completes the... Uh, you know the connection with it and everything. You know those those all seem like pretty convenient things to me. Uh, but right. just the same, if you accept them, they all work out fairly well. Uh, so I'm I'm cool with that. And I'm I'm looking at the artwork, and I'm just looking as I'm paging through it again, like the first shot that has Zandu. Uh, he looks so happy, <laughs> like like I got you, you mf'er. Uh, you know, it, it's almost <laughs> like he's having a party with these demons. Uh, and I, I just love that. It's almost like, you know, the, the page is acting for us. Uh, the demons all, to me, look like your typical Jim Starlin demons. 
uh, the only hallmark in this that I really seem to have an issue with was on uh, page 13 of the scan. Uh, the, on the bottom bottom row middle panel, Dr. Strange's hair looks like he, he really went back to the uh, disco era uh, and, and got made up for, for this <laughs> issue. But other than that, uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the artwork throughout the whole book. And, and that has to do, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, splash pages. There's uh, some that just have, you know, abnormally large panels on them. Uh, it's not your typical, you know, what is it? Nine panel grid or anything like that. There's a lot of variation on it. The story just kind of flows right along. The story itself is uh, 21 pages long. And, you know, you kind of get through it quickly, but there's still a lot to chew on. Or actually, it's 20 pages long. Excuse me. Uh, there's a lot to chew on as you go through it. So it, to me, it was just very enjoyable overall. The only disappointment, like you say, is our motivation here is to, to have Thing versus the Hulk. And all we do is leave off with the, the confrontation ready to start. <laughs> it's a heck of a way to end it, though. I mean, it, it's a good cliffhanger ending that, you know, if if I had bought this off the stands or whatever i'd I'd definitely have to come back the next month because you know oh boy you know it's trouble yeah definitely no this this is you know as far as i'm concerned this has got everything going for it uh (laughs) you know to to make you want to pick up the next issue and and there was never any doubt you know where this was going well i mean and obviously we you know we we have this on our thing hopeless so we knew where it was going even if we didn't think about it but um, I doubt that anybody reading this book thought that it was going to be any defender besides the Hulk coming up at the end. He's right. like, oh, you know, why couldn't it have been the Hellcat? You know. <laughs> I looked it up real quick. Uh, according to the CLZ app, uh, Len Wein was the writer on uh, Marvel feature number eleven that we looked at back then. So Starlin was the penciler on that, but but not the writer. Okay. I, uh, I couldn't remember either. <laughs> so be- before we shift over to number twenty twenty one, uh, I guess we'll we'll just rank this one. Sure. Okay. I think the cover is really cool. Uh, we didn't really give any details on that, and just by way of description, it's you know the thing front and center, and he has the various demons attacking him. He's got one with like snake arms with with uh, you know thorny outgrowths on it that are wrapped around his neck and his arm. There's another dude with a uh, kind of a weird space perm who's got his other arm. And then there's a little, <laughs> a little, a little guy with a spear in, you know, in front of him that's holding it up to his head. Uh, and then there's a bunch of others in the back who are just waiting to get their turn at him. Uh, it's, it's got a, kind of a muted blue background color, but I think it suits the cover really well. It's, it's a good contrast to the color of the thing. I also like the fact that the color on the thing isn't just u- uniform throughout. Uh, you know, you, you're seeing potentially some shadowing and things like that on it. Uh, so I'm thinking, you know, really solid job by Jim Starlin. Uh, I'm, I'm torn between whether it's an A or a B plus. Uh, I'm going to say A minus. So I'm going to just go in, in between the two. Uh, you know, really solid would make me want to pick it up. Uh, you know, just not quite to the iconic level, but really good. The interior art, uh, my only, like I said, my only complaint was Disco Doctor Strange and the one shot. But I think the artwork is really, really well done. I think Al Milgram's inks 
you know, do the job perfectly in this issue. Uh, I like the way he draws the Hulk, even though I don't think I would want it to be the standard character model for everybody. Um, even even his, his shot of the Defenders, everybody looks cool. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say an A on the interior art also, and the story. My only disappointment with the story is that I have to wait another month to see the actual battle between the two. I think it, it shoehorns very well into the thing, and I'm going to say an A on the story. So overall, I'm giving this book an A. Cool. Um, all right. Cover on this. Um, I feel bad saying this because there's absolutely, as you pointed out, you know, it, it the art, there's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, it's just. You know, you, you like what you like and you don't like what you don't like. And I just don't like it. I, there's just and I can't really put my finger on it other than I think a lot of it has to do with the coloring. A lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, if I saw this on the stands, would I buy it? Nah, it just doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. It's just if I saw this on the stands, I would assume that this is uh, he's fighting demons from hell or he's off on some weird alien world or whatever. And and um like the things series at this time, you know, after Marvel two and one ended and he was on the beyonders world. I don't know that I've read a hell of a lot of that because it's just like weird alien planet adventures. And I just don't really care about it. And that's kind of the same vibe I get from this cover is like, eh, you know, more weird aliens or demons or whatever they are. And it's like, eh, I don't need to read this. So, um, you know, artistically, there's really nothing wrong with it. I'm not crazy about the the color scheme in it, but I don't know. Just just visually, aesthetically, it just doesn't appeal to me. So um, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I think I, I'd go pretty. I'd call like I'll be generous and say like a C plus, but it, it just it, it wouldn't grab me or anything. But I, you know, I'm also I'm kind of hot and cold on Jim Starlin as an artist. You know, when I when I like his stuff, I really like it. But there's a lot of it I just look at and it's kind of like meh. You know, it's just not to my my you know my taste a lot of times. So not crazy about the cover on this one. Um, the interior art though, I really do like. Um, I think it fits the story very well because it's you know it's mostly a Doctor Strange story. Um, you know, so the weird aliens and you know the, the kind of strangeness of it and all you know fits his world very well. Um, you know, but the beginning of the story is very grounded, you know, with the, you know, a back alley and the, you know, the streets in New York kind of thing. Uh, I had a quick question for you. I found it really odd that, you know, while you were giving your synopsis, that it actually gives a name to the old woman. She is not named in the story. So is she important? In not the that I'm aware of. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I'm just looking in the, uh, you know, in in the Marvel wiki where that comes uh, it doesn't actually, you know, where it lists featured characters, supporting characters, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't list her at all. It just has her in the uh, in the description. And I'm just trying to see if they have it as a uh, hyperlink. Uh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Actually, you know what? I had already switched over to the next issue. So let me look. go back again. Go back to this one. Because I'm curious where the person that wrote that up even got her name, because her she's not named okay. in this story. She she is listed. Is they have they have her here in uh, the mobile wiki. She's got three appearances. Uh, she's one of New York's many homeless people. She was frequently terrorized by a local hood named Charlie Carcrash and his gang. One night she was rescued by the Thing, who after seeing her makeshift home insisted she take money and spend a few days in a nearby hotel. Gertz initially refused, but later accepted the cash when Ben convinced her that Charlie might come back. 
When the psycho man and hate monger spread hatred across New York City, Elsie was terrorized by yet another gang. She was rescued by Matthew Murdoch. Instead of thanking him, Elsie, who was affected by the hatred spreading across the city, slapped him across the face and called him a hunky before running away. I don't know that she's black that she's calling him a hunky, but whatever. Shaking off the effects of the hate monger's hatred, Elsie also crossed paths with the godlike Beyonder, who was on Earth trying to understand human desire. Seeing him take a three-piece suit from a window shop, Elsie chastised him for stealing and tried to explain to him the purpose of money. When she took the Beyonder back to her home, they were jumped by Charlie Carcrash and his gang. Thinking Beyonder had money, they beat him up and tried to mug him. Watching this, Elsie began rooting rooting through her bags and trying to find some money so they would go away, but instead found a business card for the Heroes for Hire. After the mugging ended, Elsie then tried to explain that groups like Heroes for Hire protect common people. Taking the business card, the Beyonder then healed himself and teleported away to get more advice from them. So according to this, she appeared in Marvel Fanfare number 20, Fantastic Four 281, and Secret Wars 2 number 2. Hmm. So there you go. So Who says we don't give a good She called story? somebody a... <laughs> yeah, she, she, she called, called somebody she a called honky? Matt Murdock a, a honky. I don't really understand the yeah, reasoning behind she's, that. She's, yeah, she's clearly depicted as white in all the panels I'm looking at here. So that's, I don't know, that's really weird. Um, unless it's just poor color, coloring, coloring, uh, because I mean, I, I you know I don't see anything that would delineate her one way or the other, other than the coloring. Obviously, the coloring is a factor. right. But if, if it had been going right. differently and you said she was an African-American woman, I'd be like, oh, OK. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. I do notice that her bag does say Gertz on it. So. Yeah, I guess they interesting built on her over time. But, yeah, her, she's not given a name in because I was looking at the, you know, the narration boxes and the dialogue and she's she's not neither. She's just referred to as old woman over and over again. So. <laughs> Uh, I just I just thought that was interesting that she was actually named in the synopsis because I'm like, all right, am I missing something here? You know, is this an important person? Is this somebody you see again? Because I just figured she was just a throwaway you know, character or whatever. Huh. Interesting. I was fully prepared to make full of Zandu in his outfit here, you know, because it always amuses me in comics when you've got some old fart, you know, like Pa Kent or somebody that dresses up in a superhero costume, because I just think. That's ridiculous, you know, especially, you know, if, if you apply any sort of real world ism at all to, to comic books, you know, trying to visualize it like if it was ever adapted into a movie or something, you know, there's certain comic book things that just wouldn't translate well. But, you know, I got to give it to this guy as ridiculous as his outfit is and as ballsy as I think it is for a guy who looks like he's easily like 70 years old to be wearing, you know, a skin tight onesie. The dude is ripped. (laughs) So if I was as ripped as him at 70 years old, I guess I'd, you know, I'd want to show it off, too. So, you know, good. Uh, I've I've always been jealous of the monocle. Love the monocles. I'm sure I've told this story before, but, you know, my son wears glasses or contact lenses, depending on when you get him. Uh, But his eyes, one of them needs the prescription and one of them is fine. So we always joke around that we're going to find him a monocle somewhere. (laughs) It's a path to the dark side. 
Yeah, I, I might as well get him a cigarette holder while I'm at it. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, where, where the hell was I? I think you were uh, giving your art uh, uh, grade. So yeah, interior art. I, I generally, overall, I really dig the interior art because I, you know, I like everybody on this team. I, I think they, you know, we're all really, uh, you know, bringing their A game for this. So yeah. Uh, simple grade for the art. Uh, I, I think I'll go a, a B plus on the art. I really like the interior art quite a bit. Um, and then story, um, I really enjoyed the story. And like I say, I'm not the biggest, uh, you know, comic book Doctor Strange fan. I've come to kind of like him, you know, with the movies and everything and the MCU's take on him. But the comic book version uh, still kind of leaves me cold a lot of times. But but this was cool. I liked the whole setup of this. I liked the whole Marvel team, uh, Marvel two and one flavor of it and everything. So yeah. But like I said, at the end of the day, this still feels like you know it's a whole lot of setup to get the thing and the Hulk in the same room and on opposite sides. And you know so it works towards that end. So you know story wise, A. Um, overall grade on this. Um, Eh, I think I'd go an overall A on it because I, I really did enjoy it. it. It was kind of a, you know, it was a pleasant surprise. I was like, oh, I you know this is this is actually really good. I'm, I'm digging this. I want to see where it goes. So, yeah. All right, cool. So moving on to Marvel Fanfare number 21, which was released, excuse me, <clears throat> released on April 9th, 1985, the cover date of July 1985. Also written and penciled by Jim Starlin, inked by Al Milgram. Or should I just say the same team? Why, why go into the detail? <laughs> there you go. Uh, the cover shows Doctor Strange in the center, apparently uh, creating some sort of a spell or an incantation. And he's got a, a, a cauldron next to him that's blowing off some steam. And behind him, you see the enlarged faces of the thing and the Hulk. And my big negative about this cover is which is a complaint I've made on numerous occasions in the past that the background is like pure white. And I don't know that I like that. I almost, almost think I would prefer it dramatically uh, if it was pure black instead of pure white. Uh, but, you know, moving forward to the, uh, to the synopsis, Do you know, real quick before you move on here. So it's signed Gemini. What is that all about? Because it's, according to Mike's Amazing World, the cover credits are Jim Starlin and Al Milgram, the same as the interior. And and I see that. I, I think that is correct. But the signature is Gemini. And I just, I don't quite get that. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Yeah, I saw it as credited to Jim Starlin and Al Milgram. So hmm. I don't know. Can't answer that question for you. And I apologize to everybody for not knowing <laughs> the answer. <laughs> Well, you keep going, and I'll look it up, see what I might be able to find out on that. All right. So, Clash Part 2. In New York City, the thing explodes through the wall of the Sanctum Sanctorium. And it is, I always thought it was Sanctum Sanctorum. Anyway, they have it as Sanctum Sanctorium. Maybe I've been saying it wrong all these years. And lands in the alley below. He recounts the, the events that led to the current situation. How Doctor Strange used his psychic powers to contact Ben and transport him to the prison that Strange was in and how he needed Ben's help to escape. Ben fought his way through the guards and freed Strange and the two returned to the Sanctum only to find that Strange's 
Captor Zendu was there using the ruby of domination to enslave and control the minds of every human on Earth. However, he currently only has the power to control one mind, and he has chosen to control the mind of the Hulk. Zendu commands Hulk to finish the thing off while he fights Doctor Strange for control of the ruby. Hulk jumps out of the sanctum and into the alley. The thing barely avoids him. Inside the sanctum, Zandu uses the ruby's power to his advantage, doubling the poor of his doubling the poor of his mystical abilities. I believe that should be power of his mystical abilities. And Doctor Strange struggles to hold his own. Outside, Thing tries to reason with the, with Hulk, who continues to attack him. Hulk wildly swings at him, and he dodges the blow using a drain pipe. Thing swings it at the man monster, but the Hulk breaks the pipe and charges him. He avoids Hulk, and Hulk crashes into the wall behind him. He grabs Hulk's head out of the hole in the wall and punches him across the alley. Hulk gets Hulk gets back up, but Thing punches him again. He takes another swing at Thing, who dodges it again. Thing takes the opportunity and begins pummeling Hulk, punching him in, in vents again and again. He finally knocks the jade giant down and prepares to end the fight. In the sanctum, Zandu notices through a hole in the wall that the thing is winning the battle. Realizing that his spell on the Hulk must be affecting the brute's fighting ability, he releases Hulk from his control. Back in the alley, Thing knocks Hulk into another building wall. Hulk recovers, exclaiming that his head hurts. Hulk realizes that someone has been hitting him and deduces that it must have been the Thing. Thing notices that Hulk is his old self again and tries to tap him but he punches Thing in the face. Meanwhile, Strange and Zandu continue their fight, but Strange is suddenly hit over the head and knocked unconscious. His attacker is none other than his servant, Wang, who is now under Zandu's control. Having dealt with Strange, Zandu begins becoming one with the ruby. Outside, Thing and Hulk collide with each other, and Hulk knocks Thing down. He tries to get up, but Hulk twists his arm and slams him back down into the ground. He notices a loose electrical cable under the wrecked turf, and pulls it up and zaps Hulk with it. This only makes Hulk angrier, and he smashes Thing through the street and into the sewers below them. Realizing that their fight will only wreck the neighborhood, Thing runs down the sewer, trying to lure Hulk away from the civilians. Hulk follows Thing, who hides around the corner. Hulk comes up, comes around the corner, and Hulk punches him into the water. He then pulls out one of the sewer's supports, collapsing the ceiling on Hulk. He climbs out into the street and sees that several buildings have collapsed because of his stunt. He tries to dig through the rubble to free Hulk, but Hulk punches out of the rubble and slams into him. He punches Thing through more rubble, and Thing decides to lure him over to a nearby dock. Hulk follows, and Thing throws a crate at him, which he smashes with his fist. He looks up and doesn't see Thing anywhere. Under the dock, Thing limps up, out of the, limbs up out of the water and smashes the dock, sending Hulk careening into the water. He then heads back to the sanctum, but Hulk jumps out of the water and gives chase. Thing hails a cab, and Hulk jumps through the street after the car. Thing driving the car swerves to avoid the monster, but Hulk lands on top and begins tearing it apart. Thing crashes the car into an apartment building and runs upstairs onto the roof. Hulk jumps through the building and explodes out onto the roof and lands on the roof that the Thing is on. Out of options, Thing is forced to fight the Hulk. He slams his fist into Hulk's jaw. Hulk swings around and knows, knows him in the back of the head. There's some, some weird, weird typos in here. The two tr tumble onto the roof of the next building. Thing kicks Hulk off of him, and the jade giant lands headfirst in the street. Thing looks over the side of the roof and finds that he ended up right next door to the Sanctum Sanctorum. 
Hulk jumps back onto the roof and Thing lures the brute towards him. Hulk tackles him off the roof and the two, and the, whoa, the two crash through the roof of the sanctum and land in a heap on the floor. Thing gets up and smashes the ruby, freeing Strange and cutting off Xandu's power source. Strange and Wong imprison Xandu and Strange takes control of Hulk's mind. He tells Thing that he will return both of them to their proper places, transporting the Hulk and Thing away. Strange sits down and takes a rest. Meanwhile, Thing sits on a rock in Utah as Strange's spell accidentally made him and Hulk swap places. He remarks that he hates Utah and magicians and hopes the Hulk is enjoying his bath. <sighs> so the biggest thing I noticed about this one is there seemed to be a lot of homages to prior Thing and Hulk meetings. Yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 uh, thing on the dock, I believe, was from uh, the crossover in Fantastic Four issues like number 25, 26, around there. Uh, coming around the the, the bend and the, the Hulk attacking him is kind of a reverse of the cover of Fantastic Four 12. Uh, I'm pretty sure the the cab thing is also in the uh, two issue 25, 26 uh, thing. Uh I think there's uh, an homage to giant size superheroes number one at one point when they're fighting. And then you also end it with the thing sitting in the desert at the end, which is the end of uh, Marvel fanfare number 12. Which the same thing happened at the end of that one. So I, I, and, and, I oh, and thought just, that just, seemed familiar, but I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, that seems familiar. Yes. Just to... Uh, kind of add a little bit of gravitas to that at the end of it says this story is warmly dedicated to Stan and Jack who gave us all the original clash of Titans and so many other fond memories. So it makes me more inclined to think that, you know, a lot of those were intentional. Uh, you know, overall it's, it's pretty satisfying, you know, slugfest between them, but it also ties into the overall story pretty well. So, you know, I really enjoyed this one as well. Um, I don't feel like it let me down. And a lot of times when you have a lot of buildup to a story that, you know, is going to just end in a, in a uh, you know, drop the gloves and fight kind of moment, it seems like a letdown. Uh, you know, like almost like they don't know how to end it. In this one, I thought they really ended it well. My biggest, uh, I guess, gripe is that they just happened to land right next to the Sanctum Sanctorum, which just seemed a little stupid. But beyond that, I just thought it was really, really cool. And I just, you know, I flew through this one. I read this so fast and it wasn't because it didn't have anything to it. It's just because I just kind of enjoyed page after page of it. Uh, I think just to kind of be a little more critical, I think the artwork took a slight step down from the previous issue. Totally, uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't think it's bad, but it, it's I, I don't find the cover as enticing. Uh, and the interior art looks to me like it may have been a little bit more of a rush job on the inking. Uh, you know, the layouts still seem pretty solid to me. Uh, but, you know, and, and, and very Jim Starlin like. But I just feel like the details aren't as crisp as what we got in the previous issue. So I would bring the artwork down a slight bit, but the story to me was still very satisfying. And those homages in there are, are you know, very satisfying. Uh, in particular, I don't know, I just really like on 
page 24 of the scan, uh, middle row, first panel, the thing climbing the stairs. And it just looks like, you know, you know, he's in a rush to get up there. And it just looks like, oh, my God, it's, you know, so many stairs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just think it's really well put together. Uh, the battle itself, I think, is pretty cool. I think, you know, they, they you know, they, they let the upper hand because the Hulk is moving more slowly and he's not getting stronger because he's not getting mad. Uh, and then when he comes, you know, when he does kind of regain his own control and he's got to deal with, you know, the fact that he has uh, those things. Now the thing is using more of his intelligence uh, than his brute strength to, to get through things. Uh, and, and this is one of the few, and I hate to jump the gun on this, but I know we always discuss, uh, this is one of the few that I think the thing had the upper hand. If I'm going to, you know, render a decision in this battle, I'm giving it to the thing. Hmm. So what'd you think of this one? I liked this one a lot. I really did. Again, if, if I had read this before, I, I had no memory of it. And I just I, I just enjoyed it because, you know, me, I love a good dust up in the comics, you know, as someone whose favorite single issue is just one big over the top comic book fight. This this was right up my alley. So I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, this this one was just a, a good one to just, you know, munch popcorn and turn pages because, uh, you know, it's it's just a blast. It's just, you know, the the two probably the two biggest rivals in comics once again, just duking it out and just beating the hell out of each other and you know, doing a little mini tour of New York and destroying it along the way. And I, you know, so I was just in hog heaven with this one. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, you know, normally I, I might be kind of annoyed whenever it would cut away from a battle, you know, to the, you know, to the other part of the story that I didn't care too much about, but I even liked the other part of the story with, you know, Dr. Strange and Zandu and the weird crystal and all that, you know, it, 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 you know, Starlin did a really good job of tying it all together so that even though, you know, even if you didn't necessarily care too much about the other story, it, it all fit and it all made sense and it all uh, tidied up nicely. Yes, it's a little convenient that they just happen to wind up where they need to wind up at the end of the story, but comics do that sort of thing all the time. So, you know, I was very forgiving of that. But, and, uh, yeah, I liked the the little nods and callbacks, as you say, to previous fights. And uh, I caught a cutesy little nod here that I thought was really cool. Is on uh, page, let's see, this page 23 of the scan, the last panel, where the thing is smashing this, the taxi into a building to try to take out the Hulk. If you look at the license plate on the taxi, it's kind of a kind of a turned around reference to, uh, to George Lucas, you know, the, his mm -hmm. famous, uh, THX one, one, three, eight. In this case, it's THX three, eight, one, one. So he transposed some of the numbers, but uh, you know, it's still that cutesy little nod. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, overall, I really like this. Un unfortunately, I, I must agree. I think the art did take, uh, more than just a step down. I, I think it took a big old, you know, step down from the prior and I'm not really sure, where the problem is exactly i'm I'm thinking maybe um maybe this one wasn't as tight from starlin as the prior issue maybe the prior issue was a little closer to fruition originally or something 
And then this one is more recently inked by Milgram, and it wasn't as t- – I don't know. It's just – Here's I my theory a, on it. Uh, my uh-huh. theory, you know, because I'm, go- I'm going now with without any basis in reality. I'm going with the thought that, uh, that uh, you know, this, these were meant to be Marvel 2 and 1. And maybe in the process of doing this issue, Stalin came to the understanding that they were going to uh, – you know, not be able to present it and kind of rush through the finishing uh, pencils. Not that the, not that that would have necessarily led to a poor version of it, but that Al Milgram had a little bit less guidance and now it fell. So now I think in this issue, in the first issue, I think we saw more Jim Stalin and less Al Milgram. In this one, I think we're seeing more Al Milgram and less Jim Stalin. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. And that that makes me feel bad to say it, you know, that I'm going to put it on Milgram because, again, I, I really like Al Milgram. But, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing much more of him and much less of Starlin in this. And unfortunately, it's poor art wise for it, although there are some parts that, that I really do like in it. And there are some parts that almost make me wonder if. Uh, that this again might might be a many hands project, although you know it has clear credits in the beginning of the book, but I don't know, it's just little things here and there that sometimes the art is a little inconsistent, and it makes me almost wonder if maybe some others pitched in to help out with getting it completed or something. I, I don't know, it's just kind of a kind of something I noticed in here, but I I can't really put anything specific other than there there was one panel that made me really consider this let me see if i can find it real quick it was page um all right page six of the scan next to last panel when the thing has the has the hulk by the hair of his head and he's like pulling his head out of where he just smashed through a wall that hulk right there looks very uh carrie gamble to me you know what that well, looks like I, to me? That looks like the issues of Marvel Two and One we did when when it was uh, the the TV set for his television program or whatever. Yeah, that looks yeah. like reminiscent of that. And I don't remember who the art team was on that book. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't recall either. But, but yeah. and you look at the panel right next to it, the musculature on the Hulk's back looks you know poorly rendered. Uh, you know, not enough detail. Uh, and and uh, you know I, I I hate to always pile on uh, <laughs> on poor Al Milgram, but I'm I'm blaming the inking on this. I'm thinking Stalin didn't give him as detailed pencils, uh, and and that that's that's what happened in this. Uh, that and I and I think and you know you hit on p- page six. I think that's where it seems it's halfway through page five is where it seems to drop down a, a level to me. The first you know the first three and a half pages of the story, I think, look, you know, look fine. Yeah. So that, that's, that kind of goes to my theory that maybe, uh, Starling got word that this wasn't going to be, uh, you know, in, in Marvel two and one at that time. That's very possible, but you know, even for the, for the step down in the art, I still dug it. I still thought oh, it was absolutely. a lot of fun. And it's, I, I, it is a really good tussle between the two of them. I sit here and we're here to review these books. So then I start looking more closely at the art and I can see a difference between the first 
but an issue that's noticeable to me. However, just reading it for enjoyment, I don't think I would even have noticed. I would have just paged right through it and been fine. I may not have marveled at the art the same way I did the first issue, but I don't think I would have been reading the second issue and, and complaining about the artwork. Right. So I know, was it's, trying it's, to it's, look It's part up. of the process of being a reviewer. Right. <laughs> the thing makes a reference. Uh, it's on page 23 of the scan where he has borrowed a cab. So everybody in New York City is zonked out. So when uh, when the thing comes across a taxi, the driver is, you know, under the spell of uh, of what's his name? Um, Baron Onesie. And he pulls the guy out of the cab and then takes off in the cab. And he's worried about, you know, he wants to bring it back, you know, in, in good shape and everything. And immediately the Hulk attacks the cab, starts tearing it apart. And there's a, a panel where uh, the thing says, well, it looks like I'm going to owe Milton Glasman one new taxi. I looked this up on, on, on Google and I can't find anything on him. And who is Milton Glasman? Was he? You can do this to me again, are you? <laughs> Was oh, well, I did find a uh, woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find a uh, an answer to the Gemini thing. So apparently, um, Al Milgram was a childhood friend of uh, of Jim Starlin. So whenever they would do work together, they it was signed Gemini. Um, I found this reference in a couple of places. There was uh, one here on. Uh, on the burn page of all places, you know, the burn uh, robotics forum uh, where it says here, um, there was a discussion already underway about Jim Starlin and uh, somebody chimed in and said, you guys are leaving out the other half of the Gemini signature childhood chum. Al Milgram was the one who would sign their covers as Gemini. So apparently this is a thing they, they did for a while. I just happened to catch it for the first time here, but yeah, apparently this was a thing that they did. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. I just looked up Milton Glansman and I got nowhere. So uh, yeah, there is a Sam Glansman. Sam Glansman was an American comic artist, uh, and from nineteen he was alive from nineteen twenty four to two thousand seventeen. Best known for Charlton Comics. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just figured he probably had something to do with taxis or. You know, running the city or something like that. You know, maybe it was like the mayor or the head of the cab company or something. But I couldn't. I not finding anything on him. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, neither. But uh, yeah, not necessarily important. Uh, I but did, I mean, the bottom line on this one is that uh-huh. you know it was just a fun read. That's really all it came down to ultimately. Yes. Absolutely. I was I was prepared to take issue with you giving this fight to the thing. Um but I think I see where you're coming from on this because even though the Hulk's got the thing down at you know at the end and the and the thing is you know calling to Doctor Strange for help, you know, basically, hey, get this guy off of me, which Doctor Strange does, even given all that, um I think the thing gave a really good showing in this and he got some really good licks in 
he doesn't seem as exhausted or winded as we had seen him in other fights, you know, taking, uh, I think sometimes less punishment than he took here, because I mean, they really are laying into each other and they're all over this, you know, the city in this battle, you know, fighting and running and taking punches from each other and, you know, delivering blows to each other and all that. And at the end of it, you know, the thing's not just, completely frazzled as he would be in some of their other fights. And he did basically manipulate the Hulk also. It wasn't just a matter of, you know, he had to hold his own or he had to survive a fight with the, with the Hulk. He actually managed to do all that and also manipulate the Hulk in order to get the mission accomplished. So given all that, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think we have to give it to the thing in this one. He may not have won the fight in, you know, in the traditional aspect of, you know, he knocked the Hulk out or whatever, but, you know, he he won the day while having to contend with the Hulk. You know, I, I used to be a fan of boxing back when boxing was, you know, more prominent than it is now. Now, you know, the ultimate fighting is a much bigger thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, there were times when I would see boxers where one was clearly stronger than the other. And yet the one who was less strong would have, you know, kind of a better skill set or a better game plan and ultimately would just outmaneuver that boxer and, and win the battle. And it's kind of what I'm likening this to. In this instance, there's no question. If we're just saying who's stronger, the Hulk is stronger. Uh, and, this, and the Hulk, you know, has a lot of good fighting moves. He's not just you know, not just brute strength. Uh, but in this instance, a lot of times, you know, the first first. Part of it, it's because the, th- the Hulk is being slowed down because of the uh, being enthralled. But the thing certainly was getting the better of that matchup. Then later, when the Hulk is kind of back to himself and his his power is is amped up, you know, the thing outmaneuvers him and and kind of does what he needs to 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 either get the upper hand or to manipulate the Hulk where he needs to. So that's kind of my reasoning that I think you know throughout. I'm not willing to uh, to penalize the thing because the Hulk was, you know, enthralled. So I think, you know, just right. judging this one for what it is, I got to I got to give the decision to the thing. I so agree. That's that's where I come from on this one. Uh, but, you know, like I said, the same same thing over and over again, just really enjoyable to read. Uh, and I guess we can. Talk about this one now or rank this one unless there's any other notes that you have on it. No, no that's pretty much it. No, I, I really dug this one. So the cover, I think this is, to me, this is a big step down from the first issue of this. Uh, the white background in particular really just, you know, just doesn't work for me. Like I said, if it was a back, a black background, I think then the, the images on it would really pop. But they're not popping at all because of the white. Uh, also, uh, the Hulk's face looks pretty cool to me, but the things looks kind of generic. Dr. Strange's face looks almost like he's got derp face going. So this, <laughs> this, this cover is a big letdown compared to the past, the last one. I'm just going to give this one I'm gonna, because I really like the Hulk's face on it. I'm going to give it a C plus, but I might've dropped it lower than that. If I wasn't happy with the Hulk's face, uh, the interior art. Again, it's a drop down from the last issue, but it's not bad. It's just not superlative like the previous issue. So I'm going to say a B minus on the interior art. 
Uh, and the story, again, very satisfying. I'm going to give an A to the story. So we're all over the map on these these grades that I'm giving this. So overall, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to give this book, a, a, you know, a, a B. Okay. I don't – what did I give the cover on the other issue? I think I said like a C plus, something like so. that. Yeah, I think um, so. I think I'm going to go just about the same on this, although I do think this has one uh, leg up on the other cover in the aspect of – now, I, I wouldn't – I have in the past bought comics interior sight unseen just because of the cover. Um, you know, the cover just wowed me to a point. I was like, I got to own this. You know, the interior might suck. It might be a piece of crap, you know, reading it, but I love this cover. This isn't that, but at least this cover probably would have got me to pick it up and thumb through it because seeing the thing in the Hulk on the cover would make me instantly think, Ooh, do they fight? So it does have that edge to it. But that said, yeah, I really don't like this cover either. I, I don't like how anybody looks. Um, like I said before, I'm kind of hit and miss on Jim Starlin, and I'm very hit and miss on his Hulk. I, I don't typically care for the way his Hulk looks. And a lot of it's, as you said, he, he's a little too monstery. He's a little too Frankenstein sometimes. And, yeah, I really don't care for the, the Hulk depiction on this cover. Um, Doctor Strange, I don't know what's going on with his face here. And then the thing just looks like he's going, duh, you know, he's just kind of zonked out or something. So, yeah, it's just not enthralled. Right. It's just not a very uh, attractive cover. So, um, yeah, I, again, I'll be generous and say a C plus, but it's probably, you know, it's probably much lower than that, honestly. Uh, interior art, you know, again, I agree with you and I, I hate to say it, you know, I hate to feel like I'm dumping on Al Milgram because I really like the guy, but yeah, the, the art unfortunately is just nowhere near as strong in this issue. Although again, you know, there's some, there's some really good panels, some really good sequences and everything, but it, it's just not as tight or as strong as it was last time around. So, uh, I think, I think I gave the previous issue like a B plus. I think I just have to give this one like a, like a B uh, I'll be generous. Um, but the story is where it's at with this. Um, I would rank this as one of the top uh, thing Hulk tussles we've read so far. I really liked this one. It was fun. It was satisfying. They get some really good blows in. Um, you know, the uh, the thing is that, you know, his funniest, he, he says some really good stuff. I love the part where... Uh, you know, he pulls a city block unintentionally pulls a city block down on the Hulk. And then as it's collapsing on him, he realizes what he's done. And, and then he, it turns to concern. He's thinking, I don't think the Hulk could take all that. Let me go try to save him. And he's doing that when the Hulk suddenly bursts free. And what's on the Hulk's mind? He just wants to continue the fight. <laughs> and I love you know, the thing's moment of realization where he goes, what am I doing fighting this guy? He goes, you drop a t half a town on him and it just gets his blood pressure up. I like that. I, you know, I like his little, his little zingers like that. And he, he was at his funniest in this. And also I like when a, when a writer remembers that the thing, he may talk the way he talks, but he's not stupid. I mean, the guy was, you know, was a, was a, test pilot he was a jet fighter ace 
He's a member of the Fantastic Four who has to be at least passingly familiar with all of Reed's wacky machines and inventions and everything. So the, the guy's not stupid. So I like when the writer remembers that and they, you know, they may not make him a super genius, but at least he's clever and he can think through situations and he can come up with, you know, inventive ways to get the mission done, that sort of thing. And we see that demonstrated in this story that he's always thinking, you know, and he's clever in the way he manipulates the fight and manipulates the Hulk and, and eventually accomplishes what he needs to do. So I liked that. I, I thought it was a really well put together uh, story that was just a hell of a lot of fun. So I'm giving the story itself a straight up A plus. And, you know, again, with uh, with some of the parts, you know, uh, you know, with the with the whole being stronger than some of the parts, I, I, I'd put this right up there as an A book. Um, I, I really thought it was was good. And, and you know, again, in terms of thing hulk fights uh you know possibly even an a plus because i think this is one of the top ones we've we've done so far at least i thought it was one of the most fun ones we've done so far so yeah i like this one a lot yep so uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh just just as an aside the next issue because you did mention it the next issue we'll cover in this retrospective is the jim starlin uh, uh graphic novel with the thing in the hulk so that's yeah. I, I look forward to that one. I remember that one being fun, uh, although it's been years since I read it. So we'll have to, I'll have to revisit yeah, it and see, what, see where it goes. Yeah, likewise. I, I don't know if I still own it. I know I used to own it, but I haven't read it in a long time. But I remember really liking it whenever I, I had read it in the past. Also, uh, real quick, something I just remembered. Um, when I was looking something up in the Marvel wiki earlier, it mentioned, and I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, but it mentioned uh, in the article for both issues that we just looked at here, issue 20 and 21, um, it gave a listing of thing Hulk fights that happened prior to this. So for anybody that's following along, I just feel it's important to point out that, that the fights that it mentioned, those are in chronological order, not publishing order. So some of the stories that it references as having happened before this, Paul and I have not covered because we're, we're covering this in publishing order, not Marvel continuity chronological order. We purposely skipped some stories that that have been retroactively placed, uh, you know, prior to these fights in the timeline, um, just because I think that sort of thing's kind of annoying. So well, the plan is to get to them eventually. Right. But, right. You know, and it's, there's two of them listed here, unless I'm mistaken. One is fantastic Four: world's greatest comic magazine, number five. And the other is Ram right. rampaging Hulk volume two, number five. Otherwise I think right. we've covered everything on this list. I, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that was my count as well, is that there were two of them that uh, that we hadn't gotten to yet. Yeah, because, yeah, they're they're retro, they're retroactive stories, but we in the publishing order, they're way down the line yet. So cool. All right. But next time out, the uh, graphic novel. So the those big of you change, who, those of you who want to stick with us, you know, and, and read it in advance, by all means, you know what to go for. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next week with something. I don't know what, but it'll be something. Bye-bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.